I think I was in high school the first time I ever heard this little phrase, freedom is not free. And um, I immediately understood it, I think. Uh, freedom is something you have to work for and, and you have to do everything you can to preserve it and hold on to it. And I think it's a pretty scary time we're at politically because the politics of our nation is so ugly and nasty and, and divisive and, and, and there's language out there like a civil war and a willingness to let go of our freedom uh, or to lose our freedom. And so I've always understood, but never more so than right now, how much we have to work to hold on to our freedom, to keep our freedom, how precious it really is. A lot of people don't have it. In fact, I mentioned last night, and, and, and please hear the whole thing I'm going to say, um, I, I really have uh, come to appreciate three things. When I was born, to whom I was born, and where I was born. Um, I appreciate my parents, uh, German ancestry, and I was so proud of it. I, I love my German ancestry, uh, and I love all the German composers. I'm a classical freak, and, uh, and, and, and the Germans are the ones I think I grab onto the most and hold onto the most. Um, I, I appreciate so much my parents, to whom I was born. Um, they, they just gave to me so many good qualities. I appreciate when I was born. I was born in 1950, right when television was coming around. And in a few years, we'd have color television. And, and we hadn't quite yet, yet gotten to this technological age. But oh my god, what's happened in the last 72 years of my life is unbelievable. It's like get smart. Uh, 35, 40 years ago, now we're doing it, you know, with a watch. And I don't think anyone takes off their shoe to talk on the phone. But, um, and I, I also appreciate where I was born. Uh, I mean, I'm, a, again, a Los Angeles freak. I, I love Los Angeles. And quite frankly, I couldn't have ended up in a better place in these hills. I just, this is amazing. But I also appreciate that I'm not black. Now hear me out. I would love to be black. I, the culture is beautiful. I served for 12 years in the black and Latino parish. What an incredible people, and what wisdom, and how they've lived the cross, and, and their music touches so deeply. But I would walk through every day of my life afraid, I think, if I were black. I just heard it again this week, a woman say to me, my son was 6'5", and every single day I'd have to tell him, when you go out there, you make sure if you get stopped, you say, yes, sir, and don't you dare raise your hand, and, uh, and, and I have my nephew speak to him to warn him and to tell him. And, and uh, I think that if I were black, I'd, I might live every single day in fear. That's awful. That's awful. But I hear in these scriptures today, they're touching all of this stuff in, a, in a very amazing way. In the introduction that was read to us, uh, said that Jesus said, I have not come to, to bring peace. That's what he said in the gospel. But of course he did. We hear it all through the Mass. We have the sign of peace. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. On, on Easter and all the, the apparitions afterwards, what's Jesus say? The first thing he says when he sees his disciples, Shalom, peace be with you. Peace be with you, he repeats it. So yes, he came to bring us peace, but it wasn't that superficial peace. It's a peace that we have to struggle for. Freedom is not free. Nor is the peace that comes from the gospel. 
That's the price right there. There's the price of, of the, the peace that we get. So we hear it all through the scriptures today. Jeremiah, in the chapter just before the one we hear today, he is thrown in a dungeon to die. And he is escaped from it with help. And then in this gospel, uh, he's thrown into a cistern to die. And he's mud up to his knees, I suppose. He's no food and he gets rescued again. And in Jewish, uh, in typical Jewish mentality, he said, God rescued me. It was God who did it. God has saved me. And that's what we sang in that responsorial psalm. But then we listen to that second reading from Hebrews. It's a terribly theological letter. And um, in it, the last line um, is just, it says it all. This is what the last line says, and it's like, like it's a prize, or, or uh, until we do this, you know, we aren't do, freedom is not free yet. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. The implication is, when you've suffered so much and shed blood, now you're beginning to get it. Now you're on the cusp of getting that freedom and that peace that God promises, only through the cross. That's why I've always said, I, although I love the risen Lord image, I do. It's beautiful. But that one is the one that I need. Need. Because it's through that one that we see, and Jesus reveals it so powerfully, after all that has happened to get him to that spot, all the blood that he has shed, and he has persisted in doing it. In the gospel today even says, I, I haven't come to my baptism yet. I, I'm, I'm in anguish till I get there. I have to accomplish this. And he knows that it's only through that cross that we prove our life of faith and come eventually to that new life. And we know it. We idolize this almost on Good Friday as we hear in the scriptures Jesus coming to the cross. And after all these suffers, and especially because of all that he suffers, he's able to say those awful words, Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. And in that moment, he's able to love and forgive. In that moment, he's able to love and forgive. That's the peace. That's the peace he wants to give to us. And if we run from it, if we avoid it, if we deny it, if we don't accept it, Will we really find the peace that Jesus offers? Will we understand those words, Father, forgive them all, they know not what they do? You know, all throughout the world today, not only in Catholic churches, but almost all Christian churches, at least mainline Protestants, because at the Vatican Council, all the Christians, they were invited to share in the council, at least be observers. And almost all of the major Christian religions, I believe, uh, accepted the lectionary that we use, uh, that we committed ourselves to, this three-year cycle. So they read the same readings that we read. And I'm thinking to myself, what are the people of Ukraine thinking today as they read these readings? Oh my God. Do you know, it was back in 2014 that Russia came in and seized Crimea, a, a, an incredible port, and a very important port. Can you imagine if somebody came in and seized a portion of L.A., the portion that you and I live in? What would that feel like? What would that feel like for another country to say, that's ours now, and there's nothing you can do about it? 
I didn't realize it was back to 2014 when it happened. And even though I think other nations have never accepted it internationally, um, there it is. And so eight years later, Russia comes in and seizes all kinds of other area there and destroys cities and wipes out, from the face of the earth, wipes out some of the cities, completely levels them. And how many hundreds or thousands of people have died? Wow. What would they think as they read these scriptures today? I've come to bring division. They got it. They got it. We're lucky. We're lucky. But they're experiencing division in incredible ways. And I, I ask myself, if they hopefully, eventually, soon, hopefully get peace, how long before they can forgive the vast majority? 100 years? 200? Never? I could certainly get it why they wouldn't. But to the degree that they couldn't, or wouldn't, or can't, are they going to find the peace that comes from that gospel, that comes from the cross? This is a very, very pointed and very deep and profound thing that we're being told by Jesus. But this is why we trust him. We, we trust in his words and trust that if he could say that, maybe we can say that too. And when we come to that, I believe it's when we come to that, that we are on the cusp of tasting the peace, the joy, and the faith that he promises.